0: You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. A podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are recording this latest episode uh, during the innings break between uh, West Indies and India, playing the first ODI match at Chennai. Let me welcome my co-host Ajit, so we can uh, start talking about this amongst a lot of other
1: things related to cricket. Hello Ajit, how are you doing man? Hi Giri, I'm doing good. How are you doing? You've been a bit of absconding uh, host these days.
0: Yeah, I was (laughs) hiding somewhere I guess. No, I was quite busy, I was really busy uh, travelling work-wise, and just couldn't find time to you know, have a chat between the both of us uh, about cricket. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I think I hope to find a bit more time in the next few days and the weeks ahead so we can have more frequent conversations and uh, record them like we always do. How are you doing, really? by the way? I'm doing good. Well, uh, how is the winter treating you? Well, winter has not been that bad, although it has been a bit rainy, I have to admit, and a bit windy. Mm-hmm. But since I've been driving every single day the last couple of weeks, it's not so easy, you know. You know how it is driving uh, when it's windy and raining. Yeah, so that's where I lose all my energy, I guess. But uh, but not bad. Looking forward to Christmas
1: uh, without snow, I hope. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what I'm doing as well, counting the days down quietly until the last of the working days are done and you know we have a small break for winter that will be something I look forward to this year let's see uh, how many more matches are still scheduled between now and then so we'll have a few nice things to discuss in this episode so I think let's go straight into the first innings of the India versus West Indies uh, one day that's currently going on in uh, you know Chhapak uh, Giri so India totaled 288 for eight after losing their top order so is that a good effort do you think
0: I only saw the match or saw the innings partly towards the end of India's batting. Uh, It looked like West Indies were bowling well. They were bowling a lot of cutters. You know, they were bowling into the wicket. Uh, So the ball did not seem to be coming on nicely onto the bat. So there were a lot of mistimed shots. Mm -hmm. And I also saw some replays where the Indian batters got out uh, Two very, you know, mainly soft dismissals. Like Rahul uh, getting a leading edge, Virat Kohli dragging one onto the stumps, you know. Uh, It doesn't seem like a a true wicket. So there is a bit of uncertainty, I think, in judging the uh, pace of the ball when it comes off the wicket. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting how India will bowl. I think India do not have the same kind of pace battery that West Indies have. I think Alzari Joseph has made a comeback, right? So I'm really happy to see him back. Do you want to discuss the score uh, and uh, what has been going on?
1: Well, uh, India got to 287 for eight. And uh, that was thanks largely to the half-centuries by Shreyasaya, who made 70, and Panth, who made 71. Uh, they were supported well by Rohit Sharma, who made 36. And then, you know, Jadav, who is making a comeback to the ODI 11, made 40. And then Jadeja made a 21 before he was run out. So there are a couple of interesting talking points. So the first thing being, the pitch is a bit sticky. I think it might be a bit too paced. So, you know, having a few more, let's say, bowlers who can bowl slower, uh, be there is be the spinners or be they fast bowlers who can take the pace of the ball will be a useful asset on this pitch It looks like because you know, I think you were mentioning to me off air, right? So Rahul was out indeed, you know off a leading edge and then um, mm-hmm. uh, Kohli was played on was out playing on right so when you look at all this it looks like the pitch may have a bit of a dual nature to it and uh, I think this is a pitch where, you know, you have to play a bit of old-school cricket. You can't just come and start hitting from ball one. You have to take 10 odd balls to settle down and build an in innings. So, I think a lot of kudos to the way, you know, Ayer and Pant built the innings, then, you know, motored along later, uh, so that they were really having a very good run rate in their 100-run partnership there. And then also some decent finishing. Jadam scored at uh, about 110. Ravindra Jaraja ran a ball, and then in the end, Dube hit a few shots. So, th- that's I think they have a very competitive score on this pitch. So, It looks like which sort of West Indies approach uh, it will probably be an interesting one to see because the usually West Indies is uh, you know they don't mind doing a lot of dot balls but they'll go after the bowling they'll block block and hit this is not one of those pitches they will be well suited to run a lot of singles and doubles because um, you know they have a lot of nice stroke makers right at the top. So you have Hope, Ambris, Hetmyer, uh, of course, Puran, Chase. Then you have the T20 specialists, Kepora, Pollard and Kimo Powell, and of course, the test specialist holder. So they have a good mix-up of batting. And I think because they bat as deep as all that, I mean, uh, all the way until Alzari, Joseph and Cottrell. So even Hayden Walsh Jr., the leg spinner bats. So they have a bit of batting. So this is going to be a very good contest today, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think India are fielding uh, two spinners, right? Jadeja and then uh, Kuldi Yadav this time. Mm-hmm. So, no Chahal. So, you'll not see the wrist spinners both of them uh, playing the same match. Mm-hmm. And apart mm-hmm. from that, India have Mohammed Shami, who is the quicker of the bowlers. And then they have Deepak Chahar. Right. And, of course, they're playing two all-rounders. Well, more mm-hmm. all-rounders. Shivam
1: Dubey and... Uh, Who is that guy? Kedar Jadav with his filthy stuff. (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, I have a feeling he might come across to be very useful today, Kedar Jadav, because he's a very low trajectory. Uh Um, You know, people like uh, Hetmeyer or uh, even people like, you know, Puran might not find him very easy to get away. But, you know, let's see. Let's see how that goes. Because... um, as things stand, it's going to be a tough chase. It's not going to be as easy as chase as we might make out. But it also depends on how well the West Indian batting order handles this chase. You know, if they are to set it up and take themselves to let's say 200 by their 38th, 40th over, they're in a very good position as long as they have not lost more than let's say three wickets, right? Yeah, so, I think
0: West Indies have got the chase here. You know? mm, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Pun intended, of course, because because they have Rost and Chase playing in their uh, side. Right, uh, yeah. no, look, but I think uh, if West Indies Play, uh, you know, a longer innings, if the batsmen are at the top of the order, they are like two down in 30 overs with 150 on board, I think they are going to win this for sure. Uh, but mm. on the other hand, if India may manage to contain them until the spinners take full effect uh, and they are 4 or 5 down by 30th over, then it's going to be interesting. Although, you, as you said, they have some hitters down the order. Uh, but um, I think 280 is a bit low. I think 280 mm, is a bit mm. low, to be honest. India could have got more. I was looking at the scorecard earlier. I was just checking when the wickets fell and uh, how good India were placed uh, when uh, Shreyas Iyer and uh, Rishabh Pant were batting. I think they were two down for 190-odd runs, around the 36th over. And from there on, you expect a team to score 300, right? So 13, yeah. 14 overs, you are expected to make 100 runs. And in- India may have fell short by 20 or 30 runs. Could have been, I think although the wicket looks a bit sticky and not uh, you know the ball not coming nicely onto the bat and all that because of the kind of power hitters that west indies have india should have got a bit more but uh, you never know right you never know west indies sometimes implode um, so you, it's going to be an interesting game let's see how the match is placed when we are done recording this episode we'll uh, give an update then
1: indeed you're right you know all the, on the other hand you know they may be also due in the second innings and maybe the ball sort of skids on to the bat and makes it easier. Maybe, no? Let's see, let's see how that goes. So if you were to take a quick look back to the T20i series that happened between the same two teams, right? So in the first T20i, it was a high scoring affair where West Indies batting first made 207 for five and India chased it down comfortably with a masterclass from Kohli who made a 94 note out after being, you know, sort of stuck at 20 out of 20. He had just made 20 out of 20, but then Rahul kept the scoreboard ticking in the initial part. Lovely, lovely acceleration from the captain towards the end. And he finished off the game very, very consummately, like only Kohli can, I suppose. And then in the second uh, T20, I West Indies stuck back, you know. And um, Simmons did the bulk of the scoring for them. Because in this case, India batting first made a 170 first seven, which was not all that bad. Dubey was promoted to number three. He made 54. And then Pant made 33. And Pant was one of the only people who looked comfortable uh, batting in the middle order there. So India were sort of a little under par, maybe, I should say that. And then when it came their turn to bowl, all the bowlers were like hit all around the park. So Lendl Simmons... Um, scoring at 150, you know, it was he was almost playing for an audition for IPL. Let's say many of these players, they say, are just playing for an audition of an IPL contract in the upcoming season. So he did no no harm to that at all. So so did even Luis, who had, you know, who made 40, and then Hetmeyer 23 and Puran 38 no out. So they finished the game comfortably to take the game. So that meant one all going into the final uh, T20I. This was um, in Vankari. Uh, and uh, this was like the home of his Mumbai Indians, right? So this is going to be an interesting match. And Rohit Sharma, who has such a lot of experience playing on, the, on that pitch, did not let the team down. He made 71, and then Rahul, who had a, who's had some good form coming into the matches, made 91, and then Kohli finished it off with another sublime 70, made of just 29 balls in this case. So he made the fastest T20 score uh, for him at least. And I think it was in the top three for all Indians as well. So that was a fantastic knock as well. But in this case, the 240 that India made was a bit too uh, spicy for the West Indians. So they were only able to make 173 for eight. You know, uh, when you look at some of the good talking points, back all the way to the first T20A, uh, Evan Lewis again made a very, very quick fire 40. And then Hetmeyer had made a 56 and then Pollard 37. Jason Holder made 24. So they, they were write down the order they had contributions and somehow the Indian bowling was really, really uh, looking a bit pedestrian in the first T20. So Deepak Chahar who had taken, you know, the 6-4 in the previous T20 he played was suddenly brought back to earth by taking a 1-for-56 in his four overs and Yeswender Chahal took 2-for-36 but Jadeja was really economical. He took 1-for-30 of his four overs. So that was that was the only let's say the silver lining as far as the bowling is concerned but in the batting well Kohli Really, really picked it up because it looked like he was he was struggling a bit for the first 20 odd runs. He was trying to hit the ball too hard. That is very uncharacteristic as far as Kohli is concerned. But he slowly found his rhythm and once he got going, it was like uh, you know one of those uh, V12 engines. You could really not uh, stop it at all. So okay. he ran away with the chase there. In the mm-hmm. second T20I, again uh, India sort of had a stop-start innings. They were looking really good at the end of 10 overs when they had shown to be batting and they had 94 for two on the board but from there you would expect a team like India to convert it to 200 plus but in the second half West Indian bowlers made a wonderful comeback thanks to Sheldon Cottrell and then you had Kessrick Williams who took two for 30 so uh, you know there was a bit of spice of course in the first uh first T20i Kohli um, who hit Kessrick Williams all over the park uh, made a note a noting in the book gesture towards him and uh Kessick Williams had considered 60 runs off his four overs, but in the second T20A, Kessick Williams made a comeback. Uh, Even though he had no extravagant celebrations in the second T20A, he took two for 30 and that was uh, sort of instrumental towards the end along with uh, the spinner Hayden Walsh Jr. who took two for 28 and they kept India to just 170 for seven. And as I said in the chase, well, Uh, Simmons really played a a wonderful knock. And then the start was really turbocharged with Ivan Lewis hitting uh, 40 of 35. West Indies had reached uh, 70 in under nine overs. So they were nicely in control there. And from there, Hetmeier came and provided a little bit of a cameo. And then Puran went on and finished the match along with Simmons, right? In the last match, again... This was this was a fantastic, fantastic exhibition of batting. This was an example of how the Indian mindset is changing for the T20 games because you could see that Rohit Sharma and Lokesh Rahul really did not look to hold themselves back. They went all out from the beginning. So when Rohit Sharma got out in the 12th over, the score was already 135. So you were sure India were going to cross the 200 mark in this game. This was a refreshing change in the Indian mindset where you could see that they were ready to go all out. There was no conservative approach to try and set up uh, 80 for 1 or 80 for 2 in the 12th over or so and then hit out from there. But go all out from ball one. This is a very West Indian way of playing t 20 And India seemed to have taken a leaf from their uh, book. And it really worked out. All the West Indian were really, really costly. Jason Holder leaking 54 or four overs. And when it, when it came their turn to bat, Shimran Hetmeyer has been doing good in the series. He made 41. And Karen Pollard met 68, and these were the only two people that really put up a challenge. And until Pollard stayed in the crease, I believe West Indies were still in the hunt. Even though they were, I think by the time he got out, they were having like 17 to chase in an over or 18 to chase in an over. But they kept, they kept at it, because you know the power hitting capability Pollard brings. So you could clearly see that they were able to clearly wrap up, let's say, even... 80 runs in the last six hours or so. So this this threat always loomed over the Indian bowlers, but they were able to dismiss uh, Pollard as well with Bhuneshwar taking him out. Bhuneshwar was a bit unlucky, one felt, but he still took two wickets and two for 41. And then Deepak Chahar uh, redeemed himself, took two for 20 and then Mohamed Shami two for 25. So I think they brought back Mohamed Shami for the third uh, T20A and that was a very big difference in the bowling lineup. You could immediately see that there was, um, you know, this certain impact the bowling had and they were able to do well. So India took the T20I series 2-1. Now, if you were to move on, uh, we can take a quick look at the tests that are ongoing currently. So uh, we can take a look at the Pakistan versus Sri Lanka test. So this was the first test being played back on Pakistani soil the first time in a decade. So this test was played in Rawalpindi between 11th and 15th December. Unfortunately, it was a very uh, rain affected game. It was uh, very waterlogged and there was hardly any, you know, neither of the first innings were, you could say, completed even. But it, it is still a welcome thing to see that Pakistan are again able to see cricket. When you look at it, Pakistan, you know, in this case, Sri Lanka won the toss first and batted first. And they made you know 308 for six before declaring the Ranjit De Silva scoring 102. And um, in reply, Pakistan were able to make 252 for two. And then the match was called off. In this case, Abhi Dali scored an unbitten 100 and so did Baba Razam. Giri, were you able to catch any of the Pakistan Sri Lanka test at all? very
0: little actually but i did see it live on television it was a wonderful sight uh, at pindi cricket stadium the time lost due to the weather it's it's really unfortunate but it was a good homecoming uh, you know for test cricket in pakistan i saw a lot of kids you know school kids um, who can you know? Who came over to watch the match? There were a lot of elderly people. Everybody, you know, they. It was such a good sight to finally see Test cricket being played again in Pakistan, for that matter, international cricket. Apart from that, I saw some uh, some bowling by the Pakistani bowlers like uh, Shahin Chahfridi and uh, who is the other kid? Uh, the new kid, new kid in the blog, Nazim Shah. Nazim Shah, yes, that's the guy. Yeah. Um, they were bowling. Yeah, it was a bit stiff. I think it was quite cold. Uh, I must have caught the third day's play, if I'm not wrong, third day, second session, before it was, it was called off due to uh, bad light. And they were bowling a bit, uh, you know, uh, wayward mm-hmm. initially, and then Shahin Shah looked the better of the bowlers. Um, but yeah, I think we we cannot say anything looking at the, the scoreline or looking at the result that is a draw, uh, that you know, there was anything between the two teams. Maybe the next test match we'll get to see a bit more competitive cricket. Which mm-hmm. means uh, I- I- everything to look forward to. Uh, but you know, on the on the bright side, I think it's really nice to see Test cricket again. Like I keep saying this again, but I'm very happy to see that it's being played again in uh, Pakistan. Finally, you know, the home supporters can uh, support their players as well as the other guys who play there um, in Pakistan rather than somewhere else uh, in the desert. Apart from that, I think uh, don't Sri Lanka have a new coach now, Mickey Arthur?
1: Indeed. So. Yeah,
0: who was Pakistani, former Pakistani coach. So he brings some knowledge, uh, inside sure. knowledge, I guess, from the Pakistani side of the Pakistani camp uh, onto the mm-hmm. Sri Lankan team. So, um, and then I don't know. I mean, I, I, mean, I think the Pakistani team is still forming at the moment. They had a horrible series, uh, test series in Australia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they're still forming. They're still trying to find their best bowlers. Uh, they have a lot of young guns But I think they still need the experience of somebody like uh, Muhammad Abbas Or uh, who is the other guy who is missing out On a regular basis Yasir Shah are you talking of Or another faster bowler maybe No faster bowler yeah There was one more guy I forget
1: what his name was Imran Khan, Sohail Pathan or Sohail Khan.
0: No Junaid Khan I think
1: Ah Junaid, Junaid Khan, Khan. Yes,
0: yeah. yes, I'm, yes I'm a big fan of his but I don't know why he's not playing Maybe he's not in good form at the moment But I think they need people like him to be in the squad because they need the young guns to learn from the more experienced guys um, so on the batting you know fawad Alam is almost back to the test squad I think you you are a big fan of his or you really like him I do I remember like yeah yeah so it remains to be seen whether, he, we're seeing whether he's given a chance in the second uh, test match but the other other people like Baba Azam and uh, the other bats batters you know including Azhar Ali himself uh, they need to have a better batting performance I think, I mean, Babar Azam, Azam is the best player, of course, but he had a good series in Australia. He made a century as well. But the others also need to deliver. Uh, Shan Masood looked good in uh, in patches in Australia. So they need all the all the people, you know, coming together and playing as a team. There's a lot of individual talents, especially young talent. Um, I think Pakistani cricket will be fine as long as they keep playing more at home. And right. They also keep playing with the same set of players, giving them more chances so that they can develop in the international arena as well. So, looking Mm -hmm. forward to the next match as well.
1: Look, I mean, this uh, 11 that Pakistan fielded looked a bit more settled. Some of these selections in Australia were a bit uh, all over the place, I thought. But uh, Haris Sohel playing down the order, playing at number five or six, makes a lot more sense. Mm. And, you know, you have a proper opener with Abid Ali playing at number uh, one or two and then Ali moving down to number three it makes sense you know in the test match usually if you have a slightly experienced batsman who has some experience batting either opening or even at number three it makes sense that he can come at number three it's not a problem so this is good and then you know in in your three four five is usually your best batsman in test cricket and usually that makes sense that it's Ali, baba razam and maybe either Haris Sohail or asar Shafiq in this case so that, that that's all very good also with the bowling, they gave a debut to Usman Shinwari. Uh, I think they are still looking for a bit of pace and um, and a bit of, you know, the exciting, the X-factor, right? Mm-hmm. So, in this case, he bowled really fast in parts. He bowled uh, up to 150, I think, Usman Shinwari. So, that was nice to see. And, of course, Mohammad Abbas provides you the stability. Shahin Shah Fridi is really coming along nicely. And Nasim Shah has a lot of things to pick up. Uh, while even being around the squad, I think he gets a lot of good you know, lessons to learn and practices to observe and so on. So this is going well as far as Pakistan is concerned. And I think Sri Lanka can also be proud of the way they played because, yeah, they were in a bit of trouble, but opening was very good. But then the middle order was not uh, really relevant because they couldn't really make big scores. Dinesh Chandimal has been brought back finally. This is like a full strength Sri Lankan eleven that you could expect six months ago or eight months ago and it's back Mm -hmm. on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, dhananjaya De Silva is finally beginning to convert some of that amazing potential he always showed into mm-hmm. runs last couple of series. So he scored another 100 here. That's very nice to see as well. So those are all good talking points. And as you say, it's always a welcome thing that Pakistan is now again able to host cricket internationally and more teams follow suit. let's hope. Uh, let's take a break here, Giri. And then we'll be back for part two. Welcome back to the Armchair Cricket
0: Podcast. We are back after a well-deserved break. And while we took a break, uh, I just took a look at the score that stand, that's uh, the match between West Indies and India. It's being played at uh, Chennai right now. Just looking at the score, they are West Indies are going along very nicely. They are 91 runs for the loss of one wicket with uh, Hetmeyer and uh, Sheeho, both of them batting beautifully there. And we are in the 20th over. Uh, continuing with our uh, coverage of the matches that were played in the last few days, there was another test match that was played between um, Australia and New Zealand. At Perth, uh, which happens to have ended today with uh, Australia winning the match comfortably in the end. Um, So this was a day-night match played between uh, the both of them in Perth. Uh, Australia won the toss and elected to bat. Ajit, were you able to
1: watch this match or uh, caught some of it? Caught up with some of it? Yeah, I was listening to the radio commentary in the mornings uh, Mm -hmm. before I left work. You know, Australia batted first, they made a 416 all-out, but it was a bit of a old-school grinding sort of an innings where you know they took nearly 147 overs to score the 416 runs, with uh, Manus Labushin scoring 143, David Warner making 43, and then Smith's 43 identical scores. But then there was a bit of sting in the tail, with uh, Head making 56, and everybody in the tail contributing, including the skipper. And even though they were slow, I think New Zealand were also equally happy there, because uh, at no point in that innings did Australia seem to get away from them and they seemed to have some control over the proceedings. Saudi took a 4-4 and so did Neil Wagner. But unfortunately it looks like the New Zealand batting let them down in the test. So uh, in the first innings, New Zealand were only able to make 166 with Taylor making 80 and then Williamson 34. Really nobody else contributed uh, in the 11 and maybe you know Colin de Grandom had a couple of lusty blows but that meant they were well behind in the test and The slow batting in the first innings really did not matter anymore because with a lead of nearly 250 runs, uh, Australia had uh, the foot on the throat, so to say. And in this case, Mitchell Stark took a 5-4. And, you know, uh, Josh Hazelwood was injured and could not bowl in the rest of the match after just 1.2 overs. And Australia only had four full bowlers. So a lot of credit goes to the Australian bowling attack here because they were able to carry the rest of the, you know, attack by themselves. And they had some part-time help. Marnus Labushain bowled, Matthew Wade bowled, you know. But mainly it was these three bowlers, Stark, Cummins, and Lyon. And they really showed the experience that they have. And they completed the test match just by themselves. So in the second innings, Australia chose to bat again rather than forcing the follow-on. So Burns, in this case, made 53. And then Labuschagne made another 50. And even though the rest of the batsmen could not really put up uh, much big individual scores, They made sure the total crossed 200. They went to 217 for nine. In this case, again, a lot of credit to Saudi, who took a 5-4 in the second innings to go with his 4-4 in the first. Neil Wagner took 3-4. And, you know, New Zealand also lost a bowler. Lockie Ferguson, the bowler who had debuted for New Zealand, was injured. And he could not bowl, you know, more than 11 overs on the first day. So he was also lost to injury. So, But New Zealand have Colin de Grando, who's a bit more of a test match bowling operator. So he did his bit also in both the innings. But in this case, uh, there was a sustained short ball attack by New Zealand. And that always pinned the Australian batsman on the back foot. There were plenty of caught at square leg, caught behind uh, square leg. These sort of dis- dismissals in the uh, Australian innings. So we'll probably come to that shortly. But in the second innings, uh, facing a target of 468, again the New Zealand batting collapsed and they were 171 all out. Uh, not uh, a lot of good contributions. Watling 40 and then Colin de Grandhomme 33. But then, uh, rest of the top order all got into teens, but nobody could really convert it to a big score. So Australia won this match comfortably. Stark finished with nine wickets and he was the man of the match. And then uh, Lyon again showed how mature and how how good he is. He may have taken only, let's say, six wickets in this game, but he was always a telling presence. Because the other two fast bowlers had to be rotated on one side. This guy pinned one end down and kept bowling over after over of very, very incisive and very, very tough off spin. There was no easy runs to be had anywhere in the field. He bowled perfectly. So, I was really impressed with the way Lion bowled in this game. Giri, did you see it?
0: No, I think I may have caught only one snippet of the match. Mm, when, mm. Uh, <laughs> it was funny, Jeet Travel bowled uh, Pat Cummins round the legs. That's the only thing I saw, I remember seeing in this match. <laughs> but it's a, it's a shame that both the sides lost a couple of fast bowlers, Hazelwood and uh, Ferguson. Um, I don't know what New Zealand would have done with that extra pace that uh, um, Ferguson had. But yeah, I think you, you're you perfectly right that you're, when you said New Zealand's batting let them down, this is one of those occasions. It, it, it's very strange that You know, Kane Williamson is not able to make a telling contribution. He normally works really well. And especially somebody like B.J. Watling, you know, he's a savior for their side. He always has that special 2nd innings knock or that grinding innings that he, you know, manages to play in a tough situation. Um, Even he was not able to contribute. So, overall, apart from Ross Taylor, uh, who I heard was, you know, a bit more aggressive in this match, in his batting, Uh, Uh nobody else seems to have done uh, for the team. On the other hand, um, what about Manas Labushain or Labushkagni or however you call him? You had another pronunciation for his name, I don't know. But this guy has hit a purple patch, right, since mm-hmm. the uh, English summer, uh, since the Ashes. He has been making 50-plus runs on so many occasions now. And he had uh, a century in the first innings in this match, right? And then another 50 in the second innings. So how good has he been playing? And even Steve Smith, you know, he's, he's not there. Mm-hmm. He's not playing so well compared to Labushain. And without Labushain... Australia would not have had such a big
1: score. What do you think? Indeed. Now, that's a very, very relevant point because this guy has been playing wonderfully well. In the earlier part of the summer, David Warner had a purple patch against Pakistan. And again, Marlis Lavashane was always present. He hit 100 there as well. And, you know, Smith has been sort of misfiring, but that's OK. I mean, he is almost human, right, as they say. So it's OK. He can also have dips and uh, inform. And therefore, you know, they brought head back into the 11 here and they made sure that um, this looks like the 11 going forward for Australia, you know, head batting at six and maybe Matthew Wade looks a bit suspect at five. But Marlon Labushain has papered over all of these cracks because of his wonderful form. You know, I saw one of those uh, interviews in which Justin Langer said he's a really coachable player. He takes coaching uh, in the right spirit and he listens to the tips that, you know, all these uh, video experts and video analysts and the coaching staff is able to impart to him. So mm-hmm. I think there was a there was a point in the county season earlier this year, he was not even in the Ashes squad to begin with, right? But he was drafted in later as an injury re- replacement in the squad, even before Ashes began. So it started there for him, where I think he gained his belief that he can do really well. And, you know, no matter what, gain a place in the Australian 11. And that, that uh, confidence has shown through. And also, I think he's good at picking up tips as coach felt. In that case, it's really wonderful that uh, he's able to convert it into scores also on the field. And he looks like a special player, frankly. Uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah, He's not troubled by pace. He's adapted playing against spin, right? Mm -hmm. So, or for that matter even the swinging conditions because he played in England initially mm. uh, in the ashes. So he's shown that he's quite adaptable uh, across all types of surfaces. Well, the Asian dust balls is yet another challenge he probably has to encounter. But mm. looking at how he's going, Australia may have found a long-term number three. Right. Mm. So this is yeah. very good as far as I'm concerned. The Ross Taylor is very close to overtaking Stephen Fleming and becoming the top scoring New Zealand test batter. He's about 40 odd runs away and Everybody was saying he's going to probably make it in this test. He couldn't. But probably next test, something to look out for. You're saying, Giri? Talking about Manas Labhushen, what a pugnacious little character
0: he is. And he's also a leg spinner. Uh He picked uh up a wicket. He picked up a wicket in this match. Right, right. Right. So, yeah, he can also come in handy later on as a part-timer when the other players
1: are tired. I mean, what you have to also bring into account is that, you know, in a test match where you have two spinners required, I don't think he's good enough to be the second spinner by himself. But Hmm. he can always pitch in. Same when they're playing in subcontinent conditions, right? He can always be a useful uh, leg spinner.
0: Yeah, but let's all remember Michael Clark, what he did in Mumbai <laughs> those years ago, right? With this silly left-arm spin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that was a
1: bad pitch, man. That was a really, really bad pitch, I think. And, uh, you know, it's one of those cases where our own curators screwed our own team. The pitch was so bad that the opposition spinners took advantage of it. The same thing happened when England told, if you remember. The only test series India has lost at home this decade was that series where Graham Swan and uh, Monty Panneser spun England to victory 2-1. And I think there was a deadly Nagpur match there. There was also a deadly Mumbai match in that series. Let's Mm. not go into that. But yeah, he he, he will be useful in the long run. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Going on, uh, we can now discuss all the news from outside of the cricketing field. A bunch of interesting things to discuss. So Ganguly, Saurav Ganguly, the BCCI chairman, says that... uh, a seven-team WIPL, women's IPL, is at least four years away, Giri. Does that surprise you? A little bit. There is this women's big Bash
0: league going on right in Australia at the moment. How long has that been going on? For two years, three years now,
1: do you think? No, no, no. I think four to five seasons, easily. Four to five seasons? Yes. Are India missing a trick here? Look, I think they're looking at sustainability of it, how much sponsorship is available. And more importantly, the way the Australian BBL, at least last until last year, was scheduled was that they played back-to-back matches. Mm -hmm. So the people paid for one ticket, but they got two T20A matches on the bombs, right? Mm -hmm. So the women's T20A took place first, then the men's T20A took place in the same locations and in the same sort of format. But Mm -hmm. I think it might not be so easily marketable in India. As sad as that is to say, marketing could be one of the reasons. The other thing is, also the how well the women's game is set up up in the grassroots you know in india maybe we don't yet have such a good structure that can support seven teams of the highest quality or let's say even six teams of the highest quality where it, you know you can you make city based franchises but do are there enough players that are able to already become a part of the setup that's the most important point quality is also another factor I don't know where it fits in, but it, it was really disappointing because for the last two seasons, they've been playing these exhibition matches, right? Whenever mm-hmm. the men's IPL happens, uh, the women are doing a couple of, or uh, two or three exhibition matches, you can see that. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit disappointing to see it can't yet take uh, shape into a full-fledged tournament. I mean, frankly, I would have already expected that the Notices would already have been here a couple of months ago if they were really going to host an IPL this season, and that is this coming season. So it's not going to happen, but four years is a bit surprising. But let's wait and watch how it shapes up um, and maybe more news will come out as to why they think it's not sustainable or whatever. Right. Yeah, speaking of Ganguly, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: when you said Ganguly, I remembered something else. 10. This is about Dhoni. Aha. Did you hear that news of, that Ganguly made about Dhoni? Ganguly has said that there is absolute clarity mm, mm, about mm. what Dhoni's future plans are, but right. they, they cannot be made public apparently. But the team, the higher management, and Dhoni himself know what the plan is, but they don't want to say it out in public. Do you know what that means? Will Dhoni feature in the next year's T20 World Cup in Australia?
1: I smell a farewell match. I think yeah? I smell a farewell match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than a T20. I whether it's in the T20 World Cup or whether it's before that, in the lead-up, one of those tournaments, T20A tournaments that are played, well, Mm -hmm. you can also give him a farewell at home in a T20A game, of course. So, I would say they're going to give him a home farewell. That's what I think. I don't think he's going to play the T20A World Cup. This is my opinion, Giri.
0: Yeah, but he's still available, right? He has not officially retired Mm -hmm. yet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting what will happen, because how old is he now? He was born in 81, which means he's 38 years old. And by the time they play the T20 World Cup, he'll be 39. I don't know about fitness, but I think his hand-eye coordination may not be there. We all saw that in the 50 over World Cup. He was not at his fluent best. I, I mean, I, we can talk about this, you know, uh, for uh, time immemorial. immemorial but uh, I think mm-hmm. it's for Dhoni to take a call. But it's still interesting that G- Ganguly knows what he's, up, what he's going to do. But uh, I That's- guess we'll just have to wait and watch <laughs>
1: No, look, not everything can be mentioned out in the public. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And we are a very news-thirsty public, let me put it like that. We always want to know what's happening. There have been other great players in other teams who also have chosen to not say much. And when the time comes, they will reveal whatever is the case. But we can't stand it uh, as in, as Indian cricket fans. That's our issue, I would say. So we make a big deal out of it. But, you know, mm-hmm. all in all, yeah, if if the people who make their decisions and the people who have a say so in you know arranging these things? Know more about it, then the rest doesn't matter. The rest of us can wait. I would say, yeah. right? Yeah. And we'll get to know shortly.
0: Right? Yeah, we are really impatient, right? As as cricket fans, we are impatient. We always want to hear more. But you know, it's also I think it's it's also up to the players. I mean I mean this I mean coming back to this T20 series that uh, happened between India and West Indies, I remember on a lot of occasions Indian fielding was very sloppy there were some dropped catches and uh, you know uh, some uh, really bad misfields and all that uh, I'm, I'm i'm just thinking if it's probably because they are playing too much cricket these days is it fatigue driven is it like you know is is it one form of bra- uh, what is it called burnout are indian mm-hmm. players playing too much cricket do you think is it caused it. by that yeah
1: no, oh, no, it could be. I mean, look, uh, it's it's well documented that India is one of the teams that plays most of the international cricket in its uh, calendar year. There are not a lot of breaks, right? So this is one of the things we know. I mean, I think even other the top four, they play quite a lot of cricket, England, Australia, mm-hmm. uh, India and South Africa for sure. But at the end of the day, that's one thing. But um, if that is the case, maybe a bit of the uh, itinerary can be arranged a bit better i, I see a, quite a lot of t20 series happening also january zimbabwe visits also january australia visits a lot of lot of t20 cricket happening it, it's also interesting that they chose to go for multiple t20 series in maybe in preparation for the world cup uh, coming mm-hmm. rather than have another three test or a five test series at home in the mm-hmm. indian uh, playing uh, period but mm-hmm. fine that's a discussion for another day but if it's um, Fatigue, that's a really worry, worrisome factor because these guys will not get a break until the end of IPL almost. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then the thing about fatigue is you have to not think about what you need to do. That's when you really forget it and that's when you come back rejuvenated. If you're still thinking, if you have a 15 day break, but you're still planning, thinking <sighs> next whatever, then we are still in trouble because you, your mind is not switched off, right? That's the important part. The yeah. other thing, I mean, in a jovial note, I don't know. <laughs> uh, is the upcoming IPL auctions bothering some of the players, maybe?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. some
1: people, I, I don't know. I think some people are
0: uh, still waiting to hear, right? Uh, if they'll be retained or if someone else will buy them. I think RCB, for example, released some of its players like Hetmeyer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And Hetmeyer is making, you know, he's, he's doing himself good now by playing uh, uh, well in India at the moment. But could be, I think. I think IPL it can also be a diversion. I think it's a distraction for uh, a lot of people, and some of these young players. I think it's it's quick money for them, right? It's going to set them up for the future. And why not? Right. IPL is always good. But you know the, the the fielding howlers that we were talking about coming back to cricket. I mean, we saw some misfields even by Virat Kohli, and that's I think that's not something you get to hear or see often. Or uh, Ravindra Jadeja, for example. This, this seems like a, it's it's like a how do, you, how do you call it? It's like an epidemic. It's spreading inside the team. Somebody started, so it's now caught up with everybody. They need to yeah. do something about this. Otherwise, yeah, the T20 the result is going to be, uh, it, it's going to have a huge impact on the result. The consequences are really big, uh, big right? So I hope they do something. I think they, they take a break. Maybe they have some rotation policy within the team. Maybe give Sanju Samson a uh, you know, a chance? Because he was in the squad last uh, series as well. I don't know why he's not being played.
1: The places in the 11 are sort of, uh, you know, they are made up rightly. That's fine. But as you say, rotation is not a bad idea. You know, yeah. people like Manish Pandey, Sanju Shamsan can also be given a look in. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. But Kohli, the skipper, also might... I think he's resting himself every now and then. That's very good. But maybe he needs a bit of more rest. Maybe. You know, mm-hmm. even during a series... He can take a match off in between every now and then. It's not a bad idea, right? Let's yeah. see. Let's see how that goes. But you're yeah. right. Huh? Some of those catches that Washington Sundar had dropped, there were, I think, at some point in time, in four balls, they dropped three catches in the second uh, T20A. Mm-hmm. So that was not going to help, given that they had a slightly under part over there. So mm-hmm. it was somewhat tough, somewhat uh, easy. Washington Sundar dropped a steepler. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, behind the wicket, Panth dropped a tough one. And again, in the deep, Rohit may have dropped another one. So... It mm-hmm. is easy to point them out, but at the end of the day, if you are, as you say, if your mind is preoccupied or if you are feeling bu- close to a burnout, then it's a bit mm-hmm. of a problem.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about Sanju Samson. I mean, another guy, another guy making news in the domestic circuit, coming back to cricket. You know, he just made his comeback to the cricket uh, arena after his suspension. Prithvi Shaw. He scored a double century. Did you hear that? No, man. Wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, he scored a double century. Very quick double century as well. Um, so. He is also looking cricket ready at the moment. He can be back to the squad any moment. So those guys at the top of the order, they need to watch out.
1: Indeed. Uh, Because Dhawan is injured and in and out of the team, maybe, I don't know if they'll also think of blooding him in the shorter formats, but I would say if he's he's so young and he's so special, if it means he spends another couple of years playing the longer format, you know, honing his game a bit better, that much better for the Indian cricket in the long run. I see him as the guy who can serve Indian cricket for a decade or more to come. So mm-hmm. that way, I would say it's a good thing. But let's see how, what the Indian selectors see. Okay. Going further, Cricket South Africa's CEO, Tabang Moro, has been suspended for an alleged misconduct. So, well, these things were building up and it looks like it's culminated in him being uh, suspended from his job. And uh, we'll see how it really comes through and whether uh, there'll be a new CEO and what if there'll be proceedings against uh, Tabang Moro. And um, in the same uh, Cricket South Africa news, Graham Smith has finally been appointed as the Cricket South Africa director for three months. So this was a job he had, auditioned for earlier then taken his hat out of the reckoning then again came back in and finally now he's appointed but for a short period three months but i think they want to appoint him on a result by result basis so first thing is to rejuvenate the test team he has come up with a nice uh, you know set of things he wants to achieve one of the things he's done immediately is appoint his uh, old mate voucher mark voucher the keeper as the head coach of the national men's team so that's a fantastic job, and. Well, Boucher claims that he's going to speak to AB De Villiers as well. Maybe if he wants to make a comeback, Giri. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think he should. AB De Villiers should be back in the squad. He's still playing all these T20 leagues. He's going to be part of the IPL again for RCB. Um, so he will be playing a lot of T20 cricket before the uh, the T20 World Cup. So why not make him part of the official squad? Let I mean, he has to be talked out of his re- retirement, of course. But I think Boucher seems to be the right man. One keeper to
1: another keeper, right? So should do that
0: Mm.
1: all right all right and in terms of taking retirements back Dwayne Bravo champion has decided to come (laughs) out of retirement in the T20s at least for West Indies right yeah Uh, did you read this news
0: yeah I did read that news and he said Dhoni will be part of uh, the World Cup in 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 Australia he Uh, better say otherwise (laughs) they
1: will not not take it back for Chennai Super Kings that's another story but all right yeah
0: yeah, but that's that's about it. I think it's good that he's made a comeback, like all these guys coming back. For example, Kyron Pollard also made a, made his comeback to the squad. Mm-hmm. It's good for West Indian cricket. They need that uh, kind of expertise.
1: Indeed. Now, he's he's still playing, as you say. He's still doing rounds as a T20 mercenary, for the lack of a better term. And that means, you know, uh, he, his expertise can be used by the West Indian team. There, there looks like there is still some space for a guy like him in the limited-over setup. So, that makes sense. Right. I see, you know, Holder is doing a job. He's holding the job. But in the T20I and the ODIs, I would easily replace Holder's position with either a Craig Brathwaite or a Dwayne Bravo, with no disrespect to Holder. He's very good, but he's more of a long format player. You see his lengths also are more long format. And mm-hmm. he's a very good player, very thinking player. But I would say he's a, he has a special Place in the Test Match 11, and he should be, uh, you know, captaining it and making sure the Test Match 11 has its own resurgence. That's the thing. Yeah. And there is, still there is still dreaders. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who is we now is at the Bangladeshi uh, T20 League. He's now
0: interesting.
1: playing. Interesting. Yeah. He's <laughs> playing in the Bangladeshi T20 League, but okay, the Western Indians have moved on to the ODI leg. Uh, he says of. it's better than BBL. Well, he would, right? But, but interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, maybe it's uh, in terms of match to remun- remuneration ratio, maybe it makes sense. That and he has... said
0: he also gets to play a lot more matches than the BBL itself. He played like 14-15 matches last time in mm. uh, the Bangladeshi Premier League. I think that's what it's called, BPL. Right. Uh, whereas in, in BBL, they don't get to play so many matches, apparently. So,
1: whatever. Good for him. Okay, indeed. So, all in all, I mean, interesting, uh, Western Indian cricket always keeps us on our toes. So, let's really hope uh, Bravo also makes a comeback to this 11, at least the T2011. Let's see. And speaking of BBL, uh, Brisbane Heat have won the women's BBL 2019 on the back of uh, keeper Beth Mooney's heroics. So, it was a wonderfully competitive match, but Mooney in the chase made a very competitive 50 and took her team to the title. This is a back-to-back title for Brisbane Heat in the WBBL. So, maybe the men's team can also learn, you know, learn from this and take the championship in the men's side. In other news, Nasir Jamshed, who was uh, put on trial for trying to corrupt his teammates by offering payments or inducing his teammates to cheat, has actually confessed to his uh, charges. So that came as a surprise for many of us because he was adamant that he was not actually going to plead guilty, but he suddenly turned and pled guilty. So that was very interesting. Uh, Also, in another small uh, update about the KPL match-fixing saga that's ongoing, uh, the ex-Karnataka players, uh, Murali Daran, Gautam and Abrar Kazi, have been given uh, bail by the Karnataka High Court in this uh, investigation. So let's see how that goes as well. Another small news, Asghar Afghan who was in May sacked as the captain of Afghani team, has been reappointed as the captain of all three formats for Afghanistan. So a bit of roulette going on. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but I think Rashid uh, looked a bit I mean, let me not say incompetent, but he looked a bit overwhelmed but doing the playing and the captaincy on the pitch. It looked like that in the test matches. So I think a more wizened head who's he's 31 or so, Asghar uh, Khan would probably do a good job. And, you know, Rashid Khan is the star player, the uh, impact player in the team, and he should be that, and he should continue honing his skills until he becomes really good at test match, I would say, at least test match cricket, right? Moving on, um, if you were to take a quick look at the... Trivia question from the previous episode. The trivia question was, who was the man of the match in the last test match Pakistan won on Australian soil? So the match in question was the Sydney test of 1995, where Mushtaq Ahmed was the man of the match. Because uh, he bowled really, really well in this test match. And, um, you know, this was not a high scoring test match, but his leg break bowling was the real difference. Because he took uh, nine wickets in the game and turned the game to... Uh, win it for Pakistan so that was a very good effort from him so he was the man of the match coming to the trivia question from this episode you know we just started the first round of Ranji trophy games so we decided why not uh, talk a little bit about Ranji in a trivia so which was the first ever Ranji game played when was it played and what is the dubious record that still stands from that first ever Ranji trophy game that was played so do write in to us with your uh, answers to the question you could write into to us using our Twitter handle at armchaircrickpod or via our Facebook page or, for example, write in via mail armchair.cricket at gmail.com. Or you could also leave it as a comment to uh, different podcasting apps you may use. So we regularly check Podbean, Apple Podcasts. We also check Acast. All of these you could leave a comment as the answer. Also, if you have any feedback, do get in touch with us through the same mediums. So, plenty of cricket ongoing and plenty of cricket upcoming as well. So, we have a lot to look forward to leading up to the holiday period. So, I hope uh, you do stay tuned in. That's a goodbye from me. That's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye.
0: You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.